Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Samuel chapter 14 from the World English Bible. Now it fell on a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Saul stayed in the uttermost part of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron, and the people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the priest of Yahweh in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. The people didn't know that Jonathan was gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side, and the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sena. The one crag rose up on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, Let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that Yahweh will work for us, for there is no restraint on Yahweh to save by many or by few. His armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Turn, and behold, I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will pass over to the men, and we will reveal ourselves to them. If they say this to us, wait until we come to you. Then we will stand still in our place and will not go up to them. But if they say this, come up to us, then we will go up, for Yahweh has delivered them into our hand. This shall be the sign to us. Both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. The men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for Yahweh has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and on his feet, and his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed them after him. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men, within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. There was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so there was an exceedingly great trembling. The watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away and scattered. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count now and see who is missing from us. When they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, Bring God's ark here, for God's ark was with the children of Israel at that time. While Saul talked to the priest, the tumult that was in the camp of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. 
Saul and all the people who were with him were gathered together and came to the battle, and behold, they were all striking each other with their swords in a very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before, and who went up with them into the camp from all around, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in the battle. So Yahweh saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over by Beth-Avon. The men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until it is evening, and I am avenged of my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. All the people came into the forest, and there was honey on the ground. When the people had come to the forest, behold, honey was dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan didn't hear when his father commanded the people with the oath. Therefore he put out the end of the rod that was in his hand, and dipped it in the honeycomb, and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes brightened. Then one of the people answered and said, Your father directly commanded the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food today. So the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Please look how my eyes have brightened, because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more if perhaps the people had eaten freely today of the plunder of their enemies which they found. For now there has been no great slaughter among the Philistines. They struck the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ahijalon. The people were very faint, and the people pounced on the plunder, and took sheep, cattle, and calves, and killed them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Behold, the people are sinning against Yahweh, and that they eat meat with the blood. He said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me today. Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people, and tell them, Every man bring me here his ox, and every man his sheep, and kill them here, and eat, and don't sin against Yahweh in eating meat with the blood. All the people brought every man his ox with him that night, and killed them there. Saul built an altar to Yahweh. This was the first altar that he built to Yahweh. Saul said, Let's go down after the Philistines by night, and take plunder among them until the morning light, and let's not leave a man of them. They said, Do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, Let's draw near here to God. Saul asked counsel of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he didn't answer him that day. Saul said, Draw near here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see in which this sin has been today. For as Yahweh lives, who saves Israel, though it is in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You be on one side, and I and Jonathan my son will be on the other side. The people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to Yahweh, the God of Israel, Show the right. Jonathan and Saul were chosen, but the people escaped. Saul said, Cast lots between me and Jonathan my son. Jonathan was selected. Then Saul said to Jonathan, 
tell me what you have done. Jonathan told him and said, I certainly did taste a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, and behold, I must die. Saul said, God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. The people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As Yahweh lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God today. So the people rescued Jonathan, that he didn't die. Then Saul went up from following the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Now when Saul had taken the kingdom over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, and against the children of Ammon, and against Edom, and against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned himself, he defeated them. He did valiantly, and struck the Amalekites, and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these, the name of the firstborn, Merab, and the name of the younger, Michal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimeaz. The name of the captain of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was severe war against the Philistines all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any mighty man or any valiant man, he took him into his service. That is the end of chapter 14. Jonathan was obviously very brave and proactive to fight for Israel to be freed from the Philistines' heavy oppression. I think it's useful to emphasize that, that the Israelites were not just fighting to be aggressive and to be cantankerous. They were fighting to be free from being under the thumb of the Philistines. As you recall, the Philistines were so powerful as to not even let the Israelites have blacksmiths of their own. What is also clear is that Jonathan had faith in Yahweh, not himself, and that he understands that God often saves through a person stepping out in faith. That being said, his this or that test is not something that I would do unless I felt very confident in the rightness of the proposed action. Like he knew he was fighting the Philistines and that was a good thing, but he was looking for some guidance about how to go about it. Now, even though his faith is obvious, this whole story in this chapter is an example of how it can be a bit of an exercise on our part to discern when God is directing people and when people are only making claims and speaking in his name. And Jonathan was really trying to act in faith and for God's people. And on a side note, when he calls the Philistines uncircumcised, that's not like a racial slur. That's like saying those people who don't follow Yahweh because the circumcision was a sign of following or having faith in God, even though the Israelites didn't always use it that way, that is what it was meant to be. In contrast, Saul was all about appearances and making oaths to throw his authority around. So we first see him sitting around looking kingly, not really doing anything or necessarily planning on doing anything. And then he seems more concerned about who was gone and out there doing battle without him. And then he makes this weird oath about not letting the people eat because it sounds spiritual or pious or something, but it isn't based on anything other than his ability to make an oath and sound kingly. And it becomes obvious that it is harmful to the people. 
And on top of all of that, he is willing to kill his own son to save face uh, after having made this horrible oath. The people in general in this story seem to be revealing themselves again for the same reason they wanted a king in the first place, that they don't want to make decisions or have responsibilities. So they're like a faceless chorus that keeps saying, do what seems good to you, until in the end, they do finally speak up for Jonathan. So I was glad of that. There are two interactions mentioned with the priest who is there with Saul that seem to indicate that Saul has everything backwards. First, he seems to be putting on a show of seeking God when the battle is starting to rage, and it isn't until it's obvious that if he doesn't join in, he will look negligent that he tells the priest to withdraw his hand. That's in verse 19. I did look that up in the Blue Letter Bible in the commentary with David Gusick, and the phrase, withdraw the hand, seems to indicate that the priest was taking his hand away from whatever it was that they used to cast the lots. And then in verse 36, the priest actually speaks up and says, maybe now would be a good time to ask God if we should be going and um, out in the middle of the night and, and getting all this easy plunder. And this is the point where God doesn't answer Saul. This is after Samuel has already explained to Saul that he's going to lose the kingdom because he's not a man after God's own heart. So it makes me wonder if God didn't answer Saul here. One, because Saul's not really seeking him. He's going through the motions, and then in general, he's not acting according to God's principles. And then offshoot from that is that at this point, God wants to distance himself from Saul and to emphasize that Saul is not a man after God's heart and that his role as king is no longer blessed by God. So in light of all that, it's not really clear that the casting of lots that they do to find out who had who ate, who broke the oath, is being blessed by God either. At the very least, showing that Jonathan was the one who ate the honey is not God clearly condemning Jonathan. It seems more like a chance for Saul to repent and say, huh, maybe I should think again about what I was doing. And this dovetails with the idea that Saul assumes that God is not answering due to someone else's sin, not because he has already been told that his heart is not right. So all of this highlights what I said earlier on in the discussion here is that it can get a little bit tricky to figure out what part is just the story about what people were doing and what part is the story where God is saying, this is what I wanted done. And then the chapter ends with the validation that the king, Saul, drafts any man into the army that he wants to. So any strong or brave man is at risk for being called away from his family and serving the king and doing whatever the king wants. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 